Hey, everybody. Yes, indeed. Wednesday normally means Jerry Reynolds. We've got Ryan in Sacktown. Uh, for whatever reason, we're just having a, a little issue hooking up with Jerry. We've talked to him a couple different times. And, you know, a, a, you can't have a week without Jerry Reynolds. So hopefully we'll get him on uh, in just a moment. How are you? we got some NBA basketball tonight as the series shifts to uh, South Florida. What a sports period of time for uh, South Florida. You've got the NBA Finals tonight, the Stanley Cup Finals coming up tomorrow. And then again, uh, two days later, the uh, NBA Finals, same thing, as you finally get some games going in uh, succession without having to wait too long. And a big game three tonight uh, in the NBA. So we will talk with uh, Ryan in Sacramento for sure. And hopefully, hopefully, we'll talk with Jerry Reynolds. And hopefully it will be a holy moly Jim Bob Bowley, right? I mean, come on, Jer. Figure it out. Mr. Technologically Advanced 78-year-old man, the one and only Jerry Reynolds. Hopefully we'll get him on uh, in a couple of minutes. But anyway, we do have a game three tonight. And, uh, you know, you talk about the Heat and what they've accomplished. And can they do this? I mean, yeah, I guess they can. They already beat the number one seed. They beat the number two seed in the East. Now they're three wins away from beating the number one seed in the West. So I guess so. I guess why not? I don't expect them to win both these games. I think Denver is uh, too good. And so I, I believe... Denver will win one of these next two games, and then it will be a, a best of three. I just, I look at Denver. I look at their roster. They're better, but Milwaukee was better. I think Boston's roster was better. Why would I think that just because Denver's roster looks a lot better that they're going to win this series? I mean, Miami has answered every call. They bounce back. They've had big leads. They've blown big leads. They're never out of a game either, and they're never out of a series. I mean, it's amazing. They were coasting against Boston, and then all of a sudden, we're in a game seven. And you're thinking, well, wow, there's no way they're going to go and win a game seven in Boston. And uh, they did. I, it's just unbelievable. So, anyway, we will have Ryan and Sacktown coming up in just a moment. And then uh, hopefully, Jerry, Ryan is uh, on the phone with Jerry right now. Jerry's a beauty, isn't he? A couple of months ago, gets a new laptop, looks better, sounds better. And I guess it was what? Three weeks ago, four weeks ago, Jerry's on with me and I'm before we come on and I'm talking to him, but. I can't hear Jerry, and I'm like, Jerry, 
Come on, let's go. Can't hear you. And I call him and I go, log off, log back on. Logs back on. I see him. He pops up. Can't hear him. I'm like, Jerry, do, do it. Do what you always do. Do it the same way. What's up, C-Dog? You know what? You're right. You're right. No question about that. But both these, both of these teams, I think, follow the lead of their coaches. You know, Nikola Jokic is a superstar. There's no me, me, me. There's no, I've got to get mine. There's no, well, gee, I didn't play enough. I mean, it's pretty impressive. Same thing with Miami, right? They lose. Jimmy Butler steps up to the podium and goes, hey, if I had played better, we would have won. I mean, how great is that? Seriously, I've been around stars that don't take ex- uh, responsibility, that always want to look the other way. I've been around stars that the first thing they did was grab the box score. I've been around stars that after playoff games and a win were pissed because they didn't play as much as they thought they were going to play in the fourth quarter. I've seen that. I've been there. I've witnessed it. And when you have stars of the game like Nikola Jokic, like Jimmy Butler, who truly are in the true sense of the word, playing for their teammates and not playing for themselves and will sacrifice themselves to win, that's a thing of beauty. I like that a lot. All right, so we are efforting to get Jerry on one more time, and if not, we will talk with uh, Ryan in Sacktown. We're going to talk with Ryan anyway, so fire away uh, at your questions. Um, You know, I, I think it's time to move on from Chris Paul. I just do. And again, he's so unreliable now with his body, and I just, I think it's time. I think Chris Paul has gone as far as I, I think he's taken a team as far as he can. I know there are times when you watch him play and you're like, gosh, the guy's a an assist machine and he rarely turns the ball over. But are you going to win with Chris Paul as your point guard? And the answer to that question is no. No, you're not. No, you're not. Going to be interesting to see what Phoenix does now with Frank Vogel. What are they going to do with DeAndre Ayton? Uh, Vogel is a true defensive coach. You're you're clearly Monty Williams and DeAndre Ayton did not see eye to eye. They paid him a ton of money. Uh, when he's right, he's very effective. And so I think, I think they find a way to make that work. And if not, then the Phoenix Suns are going to be a drastically uh, different team. All right? No question about that. Uh, C-Dog wants to know if I think Chris Paul is in the same area code as Carmelo Anthony in terms of being a great player that cannot win a championship. Well, I, I think Chris Paul personally has had a better career than Carmelo Anthony. And if I were starting a team from scratch and I could take one of those two players in their prime, I wouldn't even think twice about it. Not even, I never thought Carmelo Anthony 
ever made any of his teammates better. Ever. Chris Paul made many of his teammates better. That's the way he plays. All right. So, Ryan and Sacktown, give us the scouting report and why the hell I don't see Jerry Reynolds up on my screen right now. Well, I can confirm he is not in dudgeon, as uh, suggested in the chat. Uh, Whitey is not holding him, but he's going to try one other thing, and uh, maybe we'll be lucky to be graced with his presence. What's wrong with that guy? <laughs> New computer, you know, you buy him the book, send him to school, and he eats the covers. What can you say, Grant? Unfreaking believable. All right, NBA tonight, we got a game three, and, you know, Miami is just uh, defying the odds. One more time. Ryan does rock, by the way. You are exactly. First of all, give people an update. How's your, how are you doing with uh, the hip after the, the lengthy surgery? Uh, it's good. Uh, the biggest problem now is time management because I'm uh -huh. bored, but I'm very limited in what I can do. But it, it went great. Looking forward to the next one in August. All right. Well, we're happy to hear that. So uh, game three tonight, Miami defined the odds. I thought what they did in game two in the fourth quarter was remarkable. That was one of the best fourth quarters. Uh, a basketball that I've seen by any team this year. And now they're at home. I don't think that really means much. Home court has proven this year in the playoffs. It really is not that big of a deal. Miami's not really what I would call that big of a home court advantage. So I, I still think right now these are toss-up games in Miami. Yeah, I mean, Grant, we have a series now. There, There's no yep. doubt about that. Miami has been very resilient. What they did in the fourth quarter in game two was amazing. They actually only had a 79 pace, which mm. is the lowest in the NBA playoffs this year. And we all know that Denver likes to run. So mm -hmm. Miami was able to control Denver a little bit with the zone defense, throwing that out there, doing a little bit of things differently with the way that they guard it. And then also on offense, taking their time, getting good shots, uh, letting Jimmy operate at the end of the game. All right. Well, uh, the Nuggets got called out by their coach, and I love that. I, I, I'll tell you, you and I have talked about this a lot. I'm a big fan of coaches that aren't afraid to rip their team in post-game press conferences, and Mike Malone has no issue doing that. You know, you get a lot of coaches that always take the heat. They take the bullets for their players. Michael Malone's not like that. Michael Malone's not afraid to tell it like it is, and I think that's so refreshing. It is. And uh, it's kind of that top down mentality that the Kings had this year. It doesn't matter mm -hmm. if you're Domas, doesn't matter if you're Jokic, you are going to get treated the same. You're going to get called out the same. And um, I think that's refreshing for a team, too. You know, it's not settled in the media because I think anything Michael Malone says to the media, he's already said in the locker room to his yep. team. So um, I, I think that that's how they've rolled all year and expect him to do the same if they don't come out and play well in game three. I wouldn't compare Chris Paul to Aaron Rodgers because Aaron Rodgers has won a Super Bowl and been an MVP. So I'm, the, the, Chris Paul has never been in that situation. I mean, he had a chance against Milwaukee uh, a couple of years ago. But, I mean, uh, you know, regardless of Aaron Rodgers' record in NFC Championship games, which I think he was uh, one in four, maybe one in five, now he's in the AFC, he's at least say, hey, you know what? I was a quarterback on a Super Bowl and won the MVP. So you can never take that away from him. You can't say that about Chris Paul. We were having this debate while you were on with Jerry, yeah. with Chris Paul, uh, you know, being waived today about him versus Carmelo. And I, I, if I were starting a team from scratch and those two players were in the prime, it would be a very easy choice. I'm taking Chris Paul over Carmelo Anthony every day of the week. Yeah, it's a no-brainer for me, too. I'm taking Chris Paul. I mean, a lot of people forget about his early days in New Orleans and how he mm -hmm. just absolutely dominated. I mean, yep. he was a superstar right off the bat, sharing the ball. 
um, really lifted that team up. And, you know, if you take away the injuries with Chris Paul, he's always been a stand-up guy, never been an issue in the locker room, and yep. a really good guy for the younger guys to learn from. Yep, absolutely. All right, let's talk more about tonight. Sea dog yep. uh, has been talking a lot uh, about uh, Jamal Murray. And uh, he's spot. I mean, he's been real key in these playoffs. And Murray does have to be, you know, at, at playing at a top chef, shelf level for Denver to win. I think he's spot on. He does. Jamal's got to figure out what he's going to do on Jimmy Butler. So when they brought Kevin Love in, that allowed Kevin Love to move over on Aaron Gordon. In game one, Jimmy Butler only guarded Jamal Murray four times in the half-court set. Game two, he guarded him 35 times in the half-court set, and you see the difference. So he's got to find a way to make space, find the open guys, and be able to create like he typically does without taking difficult shots. Look at this guy getting all prepared. He's got the numbers. He's got the <laughs> stats. I mean, I love that, man. I got I nothing love but that. time, Napes. I got uh, nothing but time. Yeah, it, that, that's incredible. By the way, uh, don't forget to check out all of the work on uh, my website, if you don't like that.com or grantnapier.com. It's all there for you if you uh, miss any shows. I take these shows uh, and I also uh, then put it on an audio track only because there are people that can't watch YouTube. And so it will be on your favorite podcast platform and things of that nature. Unfortunately, we don't have Jerry today. I mean, what the hell's wrong with this man? Seriously. Come on, Jerry. If you're watching right now, Jerry, really? Come on. And he's sitting there going, I'm trying. I hit the link. I've hit the link. I hit the link. I've sent it to him three times for crying out loud. Yeah, and in fact, he he was even more bold. He wanted me to let you know he's 79 years old, not 78. Oh, so he's correcting the host as well. Yeah, I missed his birthday on January 29th. That's right, he is 79. <laughs> boy, next year is going to be one hell of a birthday. What are we going to do for oh, Jerry for his 80th? we got to have a party for him or something. Do like a little block party, right? Every block he walks by, have a different group of guys celebrating, different theme. You know he loves his walks, and you're going to find him The only problem there is, sure. you know, in January, it could be, you know, 38 degrees, 40 yeah. degrees, and pouring rain. That that this wouldn't be true. too good for a block party in January. This is true. This is true. We'll figure something out, indeed. Uh, yeah. Something fun for the guy. Yeah. 79. Man, 79. I missed it by a year. Gosh. Wow. Okay. Well, the fact that you remember 78 already, that's pretty good, Napes. So, uh, yeah. I, I'm with you there. All right. Uh, Dwight Howard to the Kings. What's Dwight Howard talking about saying he wants to help the Kings win a championship? When's the last time you ever heard a player say that? Uh, it's been a while, but the Kings are getting more attractive and attractive yep. for guys like Dwight Howard, right? They want to jump on, be a mentor yep. to some of the younger guys. Um, could he help the Kings? Possibly. I think it's more behind the scenes than actually on the court, but uh, that would be interesting depending on what he's looking for pay-wise. Yeah, based on his last couple of years playing in the league, I'm not really sure how effective he could be on the court, right. uh, especially the style that the Kings play. I just, I really don't see it. I don't see it. Right. I, I, I agree with you there. I mean, if we talk about fits, right? I mean, is it a right fit or or not? And, you know, if he's on the roster as your 10th, 11th, or 12th, and you need a big, but, and again, I'm, I don't laugh when I say this, would he be any better than Alex Len right now in his career? And I, I don't think so. Yeah, it's debatable. And, you know, look at the Kings and the way they're trying to trend age-wise with their players. He he just doesn't really fit in other than that behind-the-scenes role, kind of like a Vince Carter. But you make a good point. The 
the fact that you have a player of his magnitude, and again, I know we're talking about in the past, but even comes out and says that that's pretty re- that's a pretty remarkable statement. It really is. Well, especially in one year, Grant, it's yep. been a one year turnaround. And so I expect to see more guys like that. I mean, not this, not to say Chris Paul would be a fit in Sacramento, but certainly that same kind of thing. If he's willing to come in, not really play much, but be more of a coach on the team that could bring some value to the Kings. And I think you're going to see more and more guys that find Sacramento attractive because they could contend for a title in the coming years. All right, we've got the draft coming up here in a, a, a couple of weeks. Here's my take on the draft. You know, I think when you get to that point, there's probably not a big difference between the board in your room, meaning that there's probably not a big difference in talent level between a guy at 23, 24, or 25. Just saying in all likelihood. Generally, I'm always going to take best player available, particularly high in the draft, okay? I just think you should take best player available. The Kings have learned that throughout the years, taking Joe Klein instead of Carl Malone, taking, you know, Thomas Robinson instead of Damian Lillard, okay? And I, there are many other examples. Taking, you know, Marvin Bagley over Luka because of the players that they currently had on their team. So I, I think at the top of the draft, you always take, best player available, regardless of position. I think when you get in the 20s, the separation in the players is minuscule based on just looking at past drafts. You can get a gem. I mean, there are Tony Parkers. There are Nikola Jokic's. There are, yep. you know, the Al Horfords of the world. I mean, or excuse me, Paul Millsop, not Al Horford. I mean, there, there are examples of second-round picks, and there, there are several in this series that are playing. But generally speaking, the players around 23, 24, 25 are pretty much six, one half dozen, the other. So for that reason, I'm probably taking position over best player at that particular area in the draft. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense too. I mean, not as much pressure to hit on a player at that level of the draft, exactly. that area of the draft. Um, you know, I think you really have to take the player you love at that point that fits in the best. And, you know, the scouting department is going to have everybody ranked one yep. through 60 and guys to sign as free agents if possible. So uh, you go with the player you love, even if, you know, he's projected to be a late first rounder, maybe an early second rounder. At that point, you take a flyer if he fits into what you're trying to do. Yep. And it's a position need that the Kings need to fill. And if you love a player that you think is not going to be there, but it might be there at 20, then you move up a couple of picks and you, you make go. it attractive for that team. So, you know, th there's all kinds of uh, scenarios. You can also trade the pick. If there's someone that you don't really love because they're off the board, maybe somebody wants your pick and you get extra picks down the road or whatever the case may be. So there, there's a lot of possibilities. Here's the nice thing. The nice thing is that the Kings are selecting in a position, which means they had a successful year. Yes. That's, that's, they're not picking one, two, three, four, or five. Okay. They're, they're picking in an area which tells you, wow, they had a really good year. So I don't have a problem with it. I really don't. Yeah, and every team wants to improve in the offseason. So the expectation is lower coming into this draft in terms of what the Kings are going to get because of the spot. But yeah, you're you're drafting later, which is good, which means you have the possibility of 
getting a gem, which yep. could happen, could not happen, um, at a cheaper price that's going to be committed to the team for three or four years should it work out. So I think it's a win-win. They have all the, options available right now. The reality is the Kings are not going to get an impact player at that no. position. They're just not. Can you get a player that can be a role player? You can, okay? You can, but even that's probably being a, a little bit too optimistic. You can. The Kings are most likely going to improve their team via free agency, okay? that That's where you're going to improve your team, and you, you, you could get, I don't want to say necessarily an impact player, but you can get a good player, and you can get a player that's clearly among your top eight players, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You're not going to get a player in the draft at 24 that's going to step in and be one of your top eight players. It's just very unlikely. Yeah, I mean, your Isaiah Thomases, for instance, you know, they they come around once in a while, like yep. you said, not likely, but you brought up the instance earlier, you know, that could be an attractive trade piece for a team that's in a rebuild that has yes. a piece that the Kings could possibly use, maybe an expiring contract. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's a lot they could do. And I think it's an exciting time for the Kings organization altogether coming into the draft with where they're at and the outlook on this coming season. Yeah, You know, there's a couple of things that also we don't know yet. And that is, you know, we see Phoenix making moves. Yep. What, what will the Lakers roster look like? What's Portland going to do? Are yep. they going to finally move Dame or are they going to build around him still and what they have? What's going to happen to John Morant? How many games is it going to be? Is it going to be 30? Is it going to be 50? You know, now people on his side talking about, well, gee, it was a fake gun. Why didn't we, why didn't they come out and say that the day the video came out? Why, why is it that it's a month later and now all of a sudden it's a fake gun. You know, I, I just, these things are, are ridiculous. So there, there are a lot of things that are going to happen based on free agency that we can't predict right now. I think Oklahoma City is a playoff team next year before the season even begins. Okay, sure. I, I really do. Um, I think that there are, I think Houston is going to be a very interesting team to keep an eye on. I think that there are other teams in the West that we're accustomed to seeing being you know, perennial playoff teams that may not. I think Golden State could be one of those teams. Is Draymond going to be back? Is Klay Thompson going to be on the roster? You know, Steph Curry's not a spring chicken anymore, right? So I look at them. I think the Jazz are going to be good. Denver's going to be good. Um, I, what, what's what's the impact of uh, the rookie in San Antonio, Wemby, going to be, right? Right. What, you know, how, how's he going to be? What kind? I, I don't think he's ready to make that jump in his first year. But look at what David Robinson did for that franchise in his, in his first year. Look at what Tim Duncan did. Now, the difference between those two is they both were coming out of college with four years of experience, right? That's not the case here. We're talking about a young, raw player. So, you know, you got to factor in all of those things. And I left a couple of teams out, obviously, in the West. Dallas. What's Dallas's roster going to look like? So we there were, there were many teams around Sacramento that could have a drastic change to the makeup of their team based on free agency. They absolutely could, Grant. But the one thing that I would counter that with is I would like to see the Kings, to a measure, be proactive rather than reactive in free agency and not wait for all the shoes to drop around them. We saw right. what happened at the trade deadline. Obviously, it worked out for Sacramento, but a lot mm -hmm. of those teams got better, specifically the Lakers, with pieces that the Kings could have easily gone out and gotten for not a very high price that would have affected the Kings' core. 
So I, I think there is something to looking to see yeah. what other teams do, but I don't want to also sit and, you know, I mean, we're waiting for the shoe to drop on Harrison, right? That's Harrison right. is going to be the big shoe to drop. Yes. It's going to show us the direction this team is going. Absolutely. 100%. And I, I know Mike Brown loves Harrison Barnes. I believe that the organization in a perfect world would like to have Harrison Barnes on the team, regardless of whether it's a starter or whether it's, you know, the seventh or eighth man coming off the bench, whatever the case may be. I think the Kings would like to keep Harrison Barnes on the team. The question is at what cost? At what cost? Exactly. I mean, they have what about 20, 21 million in cap to play with. Um, meaning if you bring Harrison back at 18, then you're looking at a mid-level exception, possibly yep. for Sasha, if you're able to get him over. And, you know, their hands are kind of tied at that point with free yep. agency. So it's a big decision. And I mean, I know the Kings want to have him back. He's a class guy, consummate professional. But, you know, it kind of, Grant, do you liken this a little bit to the Rudy Gay situation back in the day when we re-signed Rudy? Yeah, it is interesting. You know, the reason why I did that is guess who just popped up on my screen? Oh, is that Jerry Reynolds? That's right there. Hello, sir. I tell you what, <laughs> I don't know why it worked this time. I mean, you know, it didn't work. What's wrong with you? Times, but it worked. What's wrong time, with so. you? Huh? What's wrong with you? You know, I, I don't know. You know, I, I think there could be some <laughs> demons, you know, associated with me. But yeah, why didn't it work before? It works now. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. And I really don't give a crap. We're no. on. We're on now. And by gosh, we're all healthy and looking forward yep. to the game tonight. Yeah, it's not like you know, I'm paying you a ton of money. Actually, I'm not paying you any money. So I, I, I understand. Like so, you know, and I, I, and I'm worth it. And I'm worth it. You, you could pay me double zero, and I'd be worth it. <laughs> all right. We we talked a little bit about the game tonight. Obviously, you know. One thing that we should know by now, don't bet against Miami. I'm not saying they're going to win three more games, but I think that we have now learned, do not underestimate the Miami Heat, Sherry. No, they're, I mean, they're such a scrappy bunch. And, I mean, truly they are a team. They've got, you know, a major star in Jimmy Butler and, and then Bam Adebayo is, you know, a couple notches below, but then and a great coach. And they're going to make, you know, he's going to make, Good decisions. Uh, you know, they they were in the bubble, the finals, a few years ago. And, uh, you know, they, like I said, I mean, hey, they beat the number one team in the East, Milwaukee, and then they beat the number two team in the East. Yep. And those were the two teams with the best records in the league. So, That's right. So, so at some point, uh, no, uh, I, I still think Denver can win the series and will win the series. But I, I think it's going to be – I thought it was going to be six games. Now I'm – I'm really thinking it could very well be seven. I was telling Ryan, and I did a rant on this as well. I don't recall a team having a fourth quarter the way Miami did on the road in the NBA Finals. They took apart Denver in game two in that fourth quarter. Denver was having trouble getting shots off. Their shots were all contested. Miami was getting everything that they wanted. It was a remarkable quarter of basketball by the Miami Heat. Really was. You know, I, I thought, uh, you know, what the Heat did so well was take away uh, 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 the, the passing opportunities of Joker. You know, and, and certainly Porter and Gordon and those guys really depend on him to get them some good, clean looks. And not saying they didn't have some, but uh, 
you know, I mean, Joker was the only guy who really could go get a shot. Even Jamal Murray didn't look quite like himself. So That's right. That'll be interesting. The, uh, you know, what coach Malone does about that, you know, in other words, uh, and, and I, th and I think Spolster, uh, you know, very wisely kind of changes defenses up, you know, go a little zone for a while. Then man, you know, always keeping them off balance. You know, Ryan, that's something Jerry brought up at the beginning of the series. He thought we'd see a lot of that from Miami, and it's been effect that was effective in game two, the way they're, they kept on changing their defenses. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we saw that also with the Kings, you know, when they got zone and man thrown at him, it was difficult. But um, the thing is, the zone, it forces you to have different passing lanes. And Jokic is used to those man-to-man -man passing lanes. Uh, the pick and roll is taken away to a degree with the zone. And uh, Miami switches up the zone with the way they use it and the way they have their guys come up and down at times. So um, it, you don't know what look you're going to get, which makes getting a good look very yeah. difficult, like you guys mentioned in the fourth quarter in game two. Grant, Ryan, and the 79-year-old Jerry Reynolds all joining us here on this Wednesday afternoon <laughs> before game three. Jerry, I'm just trying to help you out with your age. You know, I'm just, you know, you look younger, and I just, you know, to me, you don't I look could, 79. That's why I, I said 78. I, I, could, uh, I could pass for 77, because I <laughs> <laughs> probably about the, about the best it'll get. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Jerry, uh, Ryan and I were also talking about it. I, I love Michael Malone. Uh, his post-game press conference says he is not afraid to call out his team. He calls it the way it is, doesn't he? Well, he does. You know, I mean, it, it reminds me a lot of Jerry Sloan, his Utah yep. days. You know, uh, what I said with Jerry, it didn't make any difference. Uh, you know, every loss was they didn't play hard enough. They didn't. They, they didn't really want. You know, it was always the same. You know, and I, I and and like I say, I can't recall Utah ever not playing hard and competitive. But that was Jerry. And that's a little bit Michael Malone. You know, yep. I mean, it's he's it's always you you got to play harder. I I thought you know I thought it was was a a message to his team just how important this game is. You know, and I know some people saying, well, he kind of threw his team under the bus. I don't think he did. I think they no. know, him. you know, they know Michael's going to uh, say that that's who he is. So sure. I, I just think it was a, a kind of a message of, hey, guys, we, we got to go get this next one more than anything else. And and like say, you know, we, we know Michael. And I mean, he is, a, you know, he is full speed ahead and, and yep. a straight shooter. No, no doubt. Jerry, before game two. Former Kings coach Rick Adelman got the Chuck Daly Lifetime Achievement Award. What stands out to you about Rick as a coach? I, I thought he was, you know, maybe the, the best coach I've ever seen of of kind of getting along with all of his players. You know, it's, you know, it's not an easy thing to do, you know, and you especially when you got some star types, uh, really, knew, really just had a real knack of that. And then, of course, which I think was obvious all just an offensive genius. I think, you know, certainly he looked, he took some of coach Carrill's stuff and then adjusted it to the personnel he, he had. Uh, but yeah, his career speaks for itself. And as I've often said, I mean, he won 50 some games in Houston with Chuck Hayes as a starting center. Mm. Uh, that ought to get you. That was hall of fame stuff right there. <laughs> and, and, and never, never was coach of the year, but, um, you know, he always said he didn't care about that stuff. You knew him a lot better. R Rick's very reserved. You know, um, he, Rick is, he's, uh, it's uh, hard for me to put into words. 
you know, even me being the announcer and having a radio show, when I needed something from Rick, he'd always make it seem like he was like, oh, you're bothering me. Do it. But that, but that was just the way he was. I think he was pulling my leg half the time. But then when you got him in an interview, he was fabulous, you know, and he was a family man and he cared about your, your kids and your family. And he would always ask, you know, questions. I'll never forget. I'll never forget the time we were playing two games before the all-star break. Uh, the first game was at Milwaukee. The second game was at Detroit. And for the all-star break, we were going to uh, Nassau in the Bahamas. And, and I asked Rick if my six-year-old son could come on the team playing. And he said, yeah, no problem. No issue at all. And I'll never forget this. We're walking on the plane. And this was back when we were flying on a 737. And the coaches were sitting up front. And I walk on with Trent. And Rick stops me and he goes, Trent, now listen, here are the rules on the airplane. Your dad, you see back there, your dad is not allowed to leave from that area. But you, you can walk up and down and go wherever you want. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. You know, I mean, of course, I was lucky enough. I've known Rick since he was a player. You know, wow. with with the Kansas City Kings, and and you know, talked to him a little bit. You know, I always say he and uh, Mike D'Antoni were vying for the last spot on the team, and and That's Cole right. Johnson cut Rick, and I always, I always used to kid Rick about that a little bit. And I said, I told him, I said, I, I told Phil you were the better player. I just want you to know that, so we'd always <laughs> be friends. Right. And, and, and so you know, and I like I say, we go so far back because he was a junior college coach like I was for a number of years, and. Of course, I used to kid him. I said, you're a lot better pro coach, but I was way better junior college coach than you. And, yeah. uh, but, but I mean, you know, to your point, the big point about Rick was he wanted to coach his team and then go home to his family. That's he right. really wasn't inter- really interested in promoting himself a- at all. Absolutely. And I mean, and you know, and you mentioned, I don't th- honestly do not think he cared one lick about coach of the year stuff. I, I do think the Hall of Fame was very important to him. I, I agree. You know, I talked to him about it. But so, so I think that was very, very important to him. But the Coach of the Year stuff, because I remember him telling me once, he said, Jerry Sloan never won Coach of the Year, so uh, why should I? <laughs> and, and you know what? And he had, he had no desire to kiss the ass of the owners and get in the conversations. And you know how the Maloofs were. The oh. Maloofs were very engaging without wanting to take over things, but they wanted to talk to you. They wanted to feel a connection. Rick didn't give a damn about that. And really, you know, a lot of people feel, gee, why did Rick leave after eight eight years? I, I think a lot of that was he just wasn't into that. And the Maloofs wanted that. And it just kind of grew apart. And, you know, to Rick's credit, he was there to coach the team. That's what you're paying me to do. And don't ask me to do all this other crap. I'm not going to kiss the ass of the owners. I'm not going to appease them because they want to, you know, have me here and have me there. That's not what I am. And Rick st- stood true to his values. Yeah. You know, I mean, he, he could have made quite a bit more money doing appearances and things like that. He just yep. uh, had no interest in it. No, I have, I mean, he's, he's a great coach and, and a great man. Just, yep. you know, and I, I always used to kid him too. And, I said during after usually if it's a two game losing streak, he'd come in the office and want to talk to me. I said, How come you never come in when the on you're on a winning streak? You know? <laughs> uh 
He was uh, and is. Uh, uh, I have so much. I think the word is respect. I just have the utmost respect for that man. I, I really do. I just respect the heck out of him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're, like I say, he's truly great coach. Has uh, Hall of Famer for sure. And uh, really was cheated out of a championship, uh, you know, I mean, with the Kings yep. and, and really yep. came, came awful close with the Trailblazers, too. So uh, there's that. But, uh, yeah, well, you know, hopefully uh, we've got another coach that can have that kind of success. I, I think we do here in Sacramento, but that's a long way to go. Yep, sure is. All right, guys, tonight, uh, game three and game four. You think we see a split in these two games, Rhino? Yeah, I think we will see a split in these two games. Um, it really comes down to bench production. Uh, Miami usually goes about five deep. Denver only three deep. Uh, Miami needs to have great bench production yeah. all across the board, especially with the prospect of Tyler Hero coming back in future games. But um, I, I think Miami will continue to make adjustments, frustrate Denver, and uh, make Joker be a scorer rather than a distributor. Jerry, what do you think? We see a split in these games three and four? I, I think we do. I agree with Ryan, and certainly the bench is such a key because the Denver's bench is thin, so they all have to play well. I think Coach Bolster's got a little more things he can do. I, I really think the key guys tonight are are Contavious, Caldwell Pope, and, and Michael Porter Jr. Mm -hmm. I, I think they they one of them has to have a big game, if not both. And I hope that we're not talking about the officials tomorrow. Oh. <laughs> No, Jeez. yeah, I'm saying right. I mean, it, it's just at some point. I, I'm just hoping that changes, but I just don't think it will. You know, again, we're talking about, you know, let's face it. Let's call it the way it is. The goaltending call that they missed in the fourth quarter the other night was horrible. And I would love to see that being part of the the replay system. The question is, I don't know how you would do it because the game continued on because there was no whistle. And let's say the game goes on for 90 seconds after that, and there were two or three baskets made. I mean, what do you do? Do you just add two points to the team that got screwed on goaltending? Or, you know, I mean, it's not as easy as you think. Jerry, what do you think about that on goaltending? Well, you know, you, you make a great point. I, I mean, although I say there's a precedence for it because of changing threes to twos and twos to threes after yep. the fact. So, I mean, it, to your point, I mean, it, it is such a, a – uh, a valuable call because it's taken two points off the board. Yes. And, and I mean, I, I think with most of us, it's like, well, if, if it's a goaltend and, and New York or whatever they can see it is, they need to change it, you know, give, give the team credit. I, I think that's, I've always said that's, that's about the worst thing that can happen is take a, 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 a legitimate goal away from you. Yeah. The, the, here's the only difference in the scenario that you just mentioned when you change a two to a three or a three to a two, it doesn't change what happened after that with the other team's possession. When you have a goaltending call, which generally the ball is swatted very often that will lead to a transition and a fast break opportunity, which makes it easier for that other team to score in that ensuing possession. If the goaltend call was made, there's a whistle. The ball is inbounded. You set your defense. Mm -hmm. So, there again, there, there are some nuances that are a little bit different than the scenario that you just used. But, yes, points are points. And if mm -hmm. you rightfully have points that are taken away or, in your scenario, added, 
then why should you not add a missed goaltend call? But I'm just saying it is a little bit different because oh. the lack of a whistle affects what the other team did on the ensuing possession. Sure. Oh, absolutely. And I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it, it's a sticky situation, but it's, and it's the most difficult call to make. Yep. And, uh, but, but it, it's also true. I mean, it is possible within, you know, the next possession to, to do that, I think. And I don't know, just for the, the value of the game, I, I think it's something yep. they, they ought to think about, see how to, to implement it. And, and if, you know, it's a case where both teams, all the teams know it, that, you know, it will benefit them uh, down the road. So, I mean, most teams would say, well, you know, we, we want it called right. If it, if it uh, screws up the, the pace of the game a little bit, so be it maybe. Ryan? Yeah, and Grant, to add on to your point, you know, then you also have the players that are going to sit there for a second and protest or, you know, kind of contest to the referees about it, which even furthers the fast break possibly for the other team. Great point. Um, but mm-hmm. on top of everything you guys are saying, I, I think it is an easy fix in that sense where you can add on the points, like Jerry explained with the precedent with the three-pointer. But yeah. Adam Silver in his pre-NBA Finals press conference said he is very happy with the way that the officiating's going, with the way that replay is being used. And that gave me the indication the NBA has no um, I, really idea of changing things any further with what's going on right now with the referees. Adam Silver is delusional, but I also understand as commissioner, he has to back up the officials. I mean, he, he must do that. But there's a thing called credibility. And there's nobody that's been involved with the NBA broadcasters, coaches, players, members of the media that would think that there's not an issue with the officiating. You need to call it the way it is. This has not been a good year for NBA officials. We know that. We've seen that. Okay? I think they have missed more calls, particularly at end of games this season, than at any other year that I can remember. Now, with that said, we acknowledge that it's an impossible job. I get that. But there are times during the course of a game where really you cannot make mistakes because it does change the outcome of games. And that's the issue that I've seen this year, Jerry. And for Adam Silver to, you know, act as if there's no problem, I'm sorry. You know, you're the commissioner of the league. You can still call out the officials without throwing them under the bus. Or you can talk about the state of the officiating or you can say we need to get better. Say whatever you want, but don't say that we don't have a problem. Yeah, you know, the, the thing I've always said is that I think in the last decade or so, or maybe more, I don't think that the NBA has really pursued the very best officials. It's been too much, uh, you know, political correctness kind of thing. Yep. And it should mm. be a meritocracy just like the players. You know, you great you, point. Each team wants to get the very best players. They don't really worry about anything else. Get the best guys you can get. And that should be the the way the league looks at it with officials. And, and to me, until they do that, uh, you're going to have those problems because then you put so much pressure on a Zach Zarber to carry lesser officials and then, and then lesser officials, uh, really the pressure may get to them. They don't want to blow the whistle. <laughs> when, yeah. So, you know, it's, it, and, and, you know, you can get all the best in the world and you'll still have some problems, but, uh, but like I say, I, I just don't think we have enough guys 
in the, in the league that can carry the game, control the game, you know, and, and I'm old enough to remember when that was not a problem, you know, the Jake O'Donnell's and Earl yep. Strom's and, yep. uh, you know, those kind of guys, they, they had full confidence. They might blow calls, but they, they weren't scared to make them. Nope. Dan but, Crawford, uh, Joe Crawford, you know, there are several officials that just disappeared because they were not going to get vaccinated. Now, I understand when we thought that being vaccinated meant something. I get that. But we're way past that. And I don't know why those officials can't come back and regain their employment. And I'm talking about literally some of the officials that we'd be seeing right now in the NBA finals. So there is a lot of politics. There's a lot of crap. No. The NBA has phased out a lot of their officials. So you're seeing young yeah. officials now. Yes. And they lack experience, Ryan, compared to what Jerry was just talking about. Exactly, Grant. That's that's what I was going to hit on. The you look at the officials; they're so much younger, and you know you only get to that point where you're seasoned through experience. And yeah. you know, I remember growing up. You know, your Dick Bavetta's. You recognized at least one official on the floor every game as a fan. Now mm -hmm. there's only a few that you yeah. recognize, and half the time it's for bad calls. So, yeah. and then Grant, you also have to look at the pool of officials, people that want to be referees. That's shrinking uh, indefinitely yeah. because of the scrutiny that's on them. Who wants yeah. that job? I, I'm with you. Yeah. You know, I, I do wish they would uh, really uh, try to get more, you know, former players in the league. I, I think of the couple that have been there. I, I yep. think they have a little natural respect. Now it's, it's a process, a long process. You can't just sure. bring them in, but uh, I think that would be a, a good step. And, and as you point out, I, I, I see no reason not to bring the officials back that were, you know, the, about the sure. vaccination of Kyrie Irving's back. Yeah. If you, yep. you know, players yep. are back. So, yep. You know, get the damn best officials. That's that's all. And then you'll still have yep. problems, but you might cut it down. <laughs> Instead of 10 a game, you might have, have four or five. That, But uh, they, yep. they, it's got to get better. Jerry, as they say, better late than ever. Thanks for uh, fighting through the uh, Internet issues at the Reynolds Estate and uh, joining us. Greatly appreciate it. Well, now, you know, just getting to be with you guys have made my day. I was really panicking here and I starting to, I thought about cussing, but I, I let it pass. You know, I want to be a, be a good guy. So right. you guys, uh, always great to see you. Have a yep. great rest of the show. All right. Take care. Well, the Thanks, rest of the Jay. show. Thank you, bud. Uh, Ryan, so happy to hear about your recovery with your hip. I'm going to uh, sign off here and we'll say goodbye. I got to get ready for my listen app show on my open forum Wednesday, but uh, very happy to hear you doing so well, my friend. Thanks, Napes. Really appreciate it. Great to be back. All right. Good stuff there. And don't forget, we are uh, talking about Bennett's, Roseville, Sacramento, and soon coming to Rockland. Prime seafood and steaks. Go to Bennett'sRestaurants.com. You can check out the menu, get food to go. Don't forget about their weekend brunch, the weekend prime rib. Over 50 different types of wine available by the glass. That's Bennett's. Bennett'sRestaurants.com. Thank you so much for joining us here. Open Forum Wednesday coming up on Listen App. You can download it. Doesn't matter, Android, Apple. Uh, you can check me out. That's coming up in about uh, 10 minutes from now. Thank you very much for joining us right here on If You Don't Like That. Bye-bye.